tonight and open them to the book of Exodus. The book of Exodus, chapter number 3. I know it's Memorial Day weekend, and honestly, when I was scheduling this trip, I'd kind of forgot about that until I uh, started realizing what was going on. I used points uh, uh, for flying and for hotel, and we got down to New Orleans, and it hit me. We're, we're at Memorial Day weekend, and you could tell it is down there. And, and so we've enjoyed ourselves during the day and just hole up at night, and it's worked out okay so far. And uh, But appreciate your prayers. I do want to be a blessing to you, and I thought about uh, this Memorial Day weekend, just a, a thought that the Lord had gave me and want to share with you and hopefully be a help to you this evening. I want to say, uh, until y'all can find you know a decent piano player, Brother Bo, that, that'll do okay there on that offertory, brother. And, and uh, appreciate Brother Bo and uh, tremendous piano player and and uh, enjoyed that tremendously. You missed about three notes that I taught you on that one, so if you it's four. Well, you slipped one by me. Okay, so anyway. All right, Exodus chapter number 3. I'm going to skip around. I'm going to read just a few verses to give you the context of what I want to deal with this evening. And uh, then we'll be through Exodus chapter number 3 and verse number 6. The Bible said, moreover, of course, this is the story of Moses. God appears unto him in the burning bush. And He's told him to take his shoes off because he's on holy ground. And in verse 6 of chapter 3, Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Go down with me on down to verse number 15. God, Moses has said, Who do I tell him sent me? In verse 14, God said, You tell him I am that I am has sent you. In verse 15, God said moreover unto Moses, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me unto you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say unto them, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob appeared unto me. Notice in chapter 4, verse number 5, the Lord gives Moses those signs of the staff turning into a, a serpent, and then uh, he's going to give him the sign of his hand into the bosom, turning leprous, leprous, and then back to normal. But in verse 5, the Lord's speaking that they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob hath appeared unto thee. In chapter 6, in verse Number three, again, God spake unto Moses in verse two and said unto him, I am the Lord, and I appeared unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob by the name of God Almighty. I could go on where this phrase, if you've noticed, if you've picked up on it, multiple times God said that my name is, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. If I was to turn to the New Testament, we would find in five different places that this name is repeated in Matthew chapter 22 and verse 32. Again, he is called the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. In Mark 12, 26, in Luke 20, 37, in Acts 3, 13, and again in Acts 7, 32, every one of those places he is referred to as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Now back in our text in chapter 3, I want you to notice 
the sentence that the Lord gave in verse number 15. The Bible said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, He's talking to Moses, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me unto you. He said, When you show up to them, you're to tell them, This is my name, this is who I am, and this is what I want you to know. And then he makes this statement in verse 15. This is my name forever. God said, it don't matter how much time passed, what I want you to know is forever. And when God means forever, he means forever. In 2021, God is saying, my name is still the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. You say, well, preacher, that, that's good for the Jews, and that's, that name is for the Jews. No, because finish verse number 15. Not only did God say, this is my name forever, he said, this is my memorial unto all generations. God said that there's two things I want you to know about this name, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He said, first of all, I want you to know, though I may have many names, and he does, he's Jehovah Ra, Jehovah Sidkenu, Jehovah Shalom, Je and we could go on and on with the names of God and the names of Christ, and we could talk about Elohim, we could talk about Jehovah Jireh, we could talk about all the different names of God, but God said there's a name that never is going to be forgot, that's never going to go away, that I always want to be known by, and it's that I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And not only is that going to be my name forever, but the second thing I want you to know, he said, is that it is going to be a memorial. Now, this is Memorial Day weekend. We understand what the word memorial means. It means a remembrance. It means a, a bringing back to memory and a calling forth. If you have a memorial service for someone, you are remembering them and remembering who they were and what they were and, and the life that they lived. And God said that this name is going to be a memorial. It's going to be a remembrance to all generations. In other words, in 2021, as we come to the end of May, God says to, to Central Baptist Church, to every member in here, to every one of us, what I want you to know about me is right now is that I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, and I want that to be a memorial, a remembrance from the youngest generation to the oldest generation that that is my name. Now, when I read that statement, I said, God... Why is that name so important? What is it about being called the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob? Why does it matter to the place that you would make sure we know that that is your name forever and that we are to remember it and remind every generation that that is your name? That's what I want to deal with tonight with the help of the Lord. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. May I say, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then I'm going to jump straight into those three and hopefully show you why God said to remember, why God said there needs to be a memorial, why God said to all generations, we need to know that he is the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Father, I need your help now. I could lean on the arm of flesh, and I could lean on intellect, and I could lean on ability, and it wouldn't get me very far. And God, even if there was any kind of natural ability, no spiritual work would be done without the power and the presence of the Holy Ghost. 
So I pray you use me tonight, God. I'm not worthy of it, not deserving of it. But I pray, God, that you clear my mind, clear my heart, help me to preach the word of God and Help me to get out of the way and allow you to do a work. And I know many may not be here and the pastor's out of town. And, and God, I'm a stranger to some in here tonight. But in spite of that, God, you know every one of us. And you have given the message. And I pray that you use it for your glory. Anoint me, fill me with your power for the next few minutes. And help me to say something that would help us in our Christian walk, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I want you to notice, first of all tonight, God says that I am the God of Abraham. Now, when I got to thinking about that, I said, okay, if he's the God of Abraham, then I'm going to have to remember and know something about Abraham and what God points out about Abraham. And if I can put it like this for outline's sake, first of all, God said, I am the God of Abraham because he's the God that directs the invisible. In other words, that deals with our faith. If you know anything about the life of Abraham, when you come to the book of Romans and you come to the book of Hebrews, God makes plain that if you want a model of faith, Abraham, in fact, he calls him in the book of Romans, the pattern of our faith. If you want to know what faith looks like, if you want to know what faith is, God says Abraham is the one that you want to look to. In other words, God says, I'm the God of Abraham because I am the God that directs the invisible, that deals with our faith. As you look in the life of Abraham, there's a lot of things you wouldn't. I would not use Abraham as a role model, as a good husband, amen? Uh, he was a sorry husband, if you just want my honest opinion about it, willing to sacrifice his wife for his own skin and and there's some other things we could talk about in his life that may not be that great but aren't you glad God sees past even the things that are wrong and points out what's right with us and says I can use that if you'll let me and when you come to the life of Abraham he's a man that walked by faith three areas that I'll deal with in that real quickly and the directing the invisible first of all was his walk if you know the story of Abraham Genesis chapter number 12 God's said, Abraham, I want you to leave your father, your kindred, your family. I want you to leave the land that you're from, and I want you to go to a country you've never been to, to a place that you've never seen, to a people that you do not know, and I'm going to give that to you, and not only am I going to give it to you, I'm going to raise up a generation out of you, though you have no children, they're going to be as the sand of the sea, they're going to be as the stars in the sky, and Abraham, I want you to trust me, and I want you just to go towards the land that I give you. We know that land to be the land of Canaan and Abraham by faith starts walking with God I may have said it when I was here I know if I remember correctly on Sunday night I preached on the journey of faith and it seems like a lot of places I go I wind up dealing with faith in some form or fashion I'm going to tell you why because I believe one of the biggest needs in God's people as I travel the country is just to believe that God is who he says he is can do what he says he'll do and is, is who he is can I tell you as I looked across this uh, congregation tonight. I saw little children and I saw teenagers and I see young adults. You want to know one of the greatest things we can give them is a memorial tonight that he is the God of Abraham, that God is in charge, that God can still do wonders. We've just about, all the stories you hear is from the old saints and, and what missionary so-and-so a hundred years ago did and, and what D.L. Moody did on Sunday. But what about the preacher?
preachers of today? What about the great works of God today? Can I tell you our God is still doing great works in 2021? I don't have the time tonight to tell you all that he's done for me and all that he's doing for me and all that he's doing in the ministry and all that he's doing in other places. But I'm telling you tonight, he is a God that directs the walk when we let him. Sometimes he will move us and change us. I just told you, God said, after pastoring 13 years, great staff, great Christian school, ministries galore. I was set for life. I could sit there. I had a great church. I had no problems and troubles. And God said, okay, time for you to step out. And I did by faith. And I won't get into that again. I'm just saying he directs our walk. Not only does he direct our walk, many times he directs our warfare. There's an amazing story in Genesis 14 about uh, Abraham Lot and his family get taken. Uh, five kingdoms, Sodom and Gomorrah, and four other kingdoms are taken by Chedorlaomer, Omar and three other kingdoms, four kingdoms fight against five, and they beat them and they take all of Lot's family and Lot's possessions and all of Sodom and all of Gomorrah, and they take them captive. And when Abraham hears about it, in Genesis chapter number 14, the Bible says that Abraham immediately gathers his uh, servants of his house, 318 of them, and says, all right, fellas, let's go take on four nations. Would you think about that a moment? Four nations. I don't know how many thousands or hundreds of thousands of soldiers there was, maybe just thousands. But here's what I know. Those four nations were strong enough and had enough men, Brother Harris, to defeat five kings and five nations. And Abraham's got 318 servants that he's trained in his house to protect his farm, protect his animals, no doubt protect them from little herdsmen that would come around. And Abraham says, you know what? That's my family. That's my nephew. He's my adopted son. I'm not going to let them get away with it. Hey, listen, Abraham had enough faith in God that he said, we are going, me and 318 men are going to go take on four nations. What faith? You know what I'm amazed today? We don't let God fight our battles. We think we have to fight them. So we get on Facebook, and we get on social media, and we blast, and, and uh, we get problems in the church, and we try to get people to take sides, or we think we have to defend ourselves. I'm just going to tell you, I learned a long time ago, the greatest defender I have God is God Almighty, and the best thing I can do is just put my life in His hands and trust Him. If He can't defend me, nobody else can. I remember one time, several years back, how we had an assistant pastor that left disgruntled and, and took a lot of people with him, and, and he was starting all kinds of, of, of rumors about our church and nothing immoral about me or nothing m money about me but just stupid things and, and people was coming to me and saying is this true about your church and is this true about the decision that was made in the Christian school and is this true about what you did with such and such and, and I'm just going to tell you I, I never responded I, I never got in the pulpit and attacked him I, and when people left I never got up and, and made them feel bad I just said God if you can't defend me then I'm not worth defending and you know what is amazing? My God defended me and God turned that thing around. He turned it for our good, for my good, for the church's good. I'm just saying tonight, when's the last time you let God fight your battle instead of fighting it? He'll direct the invisible in your walk. 
And then I thought about his worship. In Genesis 22, what an amazing story. He takes Isaac three days journey. He gets to the bottom of the mound. And then he looks at the servants, and I'm paraphrasing, but he pretty much says to them, hey, you stay here. Me and the lad, me and the boy, we're going up to the mountain to worship. It's the first time in your Bible the word worship is used. See, worship isn't raising your hands and, and saying amen. That's praise. We ought to do that. Worship, biblically, first mention principle, is simply obeying God, doing what you're supposed to do. Abraham said, we're going to go worship. What was he doing? He was fixing to go on a mountain. He was fixing to lay his boy on an altar. And in Abraham's mind, if you read Hebrews chapter number 11, he believed that he would have to kill his son. And then he believed God was going to raise him back up. Now I've got nine children. I teased all the time when they were, and some of them are still small, you know, they'd be doing something and someone said, oh, for the treadway, they're going to hurt themselves. I said, that's okay, we can make another one. We got plenty. And I was teasing, but can you imagine only having one? And Brother Nate, can you imagine taking any one of your children and laying them, even though you know or you believe Abraham's never seen a human resurrected before. He's never seen a person brought back to life before. But God said, you go up on that mount, you kill that boy. But because Abraham believed God was going to make a great nation out of Isaac, Hebrews 11 makes plain, Abraham deducted in his own mind, if God makes me kill him, God's going to resurrect him. What faith? How's your faith tonight in God? See, Abraham had no story to go off of. He didn't have Jesus' parables of Lazarus being raised. He didn't have the story of Elijah's bones bringing a soldier back. He had nothing. All he had was a promise that God would make a great nation out of Isaac. And Abraham said, that's enough. And he walks up on a mountain and he tells those servants, me and the boy... I may call that a lot of things. Brother AJ, I may call that obedience. I may call that, uh, I got to go burden. But Abraham said, we're going to go worship. We're going to go do what God said do. And then he makes an amazing statement to them servants. And he said, we will come back again. He knew before he ever stepped foot up that mountain. He didn't know how. He didn't know when. He didn't know where. But what he knew was God was going to come through for him. And I'm asking you tonight, do you believe God's going to come through to you? Do you believe God is going to take whatever you're facing right now? Maybe it's a bill that's not paid. Maybe it's a marriage that's in trouble. Maybe it's a child that is wayward. Maybe it's a situation that's beyond your control. Maybe it's a work situation that you can't handle. I don't know what you're facing tonight. But what I know is God said, I am the God of Abraham. I direct the invisible. And what I want from you is just trust me and the way I tell you to do it. And you know what I found? God's ways don't always line up with the way I want to do it. But it always works when you do it his way. Not only do I see he directs the invisible. But then he said, not only am I the God of Abraham, I direct the invisible. That deals with our faith. But he said, I'm the God of Isaac. He's the God that does the impossible. And that deals with the fantastic. You know the story of Isaac. Isaac's an amazing story. 
Abraham and Sarah are old. They should not even be able to have children. The Bible said they're beyond, she's beyond the years of childbearing. And yet God uh, comes to, him, to, to Abraham and Sarah. I believe it's Christ in a Christophany. And, and he comes to him and he says, uh, tells them, you're going to have a child. And she laughs. And that's the reason he's named Isaac, because it means laughter. And, and so now they've got this child. And, and God said, hey, I'm not just the God of Abraham, where I direct the invisible. I'm the God of Isaac. Isaac, because when everyone says it can't be done, I want you to remember it can't be done. I'm the God that does the impossible. I'm the God that does the fantastic. In 2021, I'm afraid as independent Baptists, we've let the wrong doctrine of the charismatics and others about destroy our faith that our God can still do the impossible. But he can, and he has. And he will for those that are willing to let him and for those that will trust him and for those, hey, I want this younger generation to know God's not dead. He's still alive. He still works miracles. He doesn't do it through my hanky and through my spin. He does it through a 1995 commercial, but he does it through his power and through the presence of the Holy Ghost. God still works miracles. I don't have the time to tell you. I got so many impossible stories that I can tell you that everyone said, it's impossible, it's impossible, it'll never happen. My wife and I went to Papua New Guinea as missionaries years and years ago, 20-something years ago. We started to work in one area, and then God said, we're to go to another area. And when I called around to some other missionaries and preachers, everyone said, don't go. You'll never make it there. One white man tried it and they killed him. And they said, no one can come back. Don't go there, missionary. You'll never make it. I said, but God said, go. They said, you're, you've got to be wrong. You've got to be, maybe you're going off of emotions, but I'd never seen the place. This God laid it on my heart and I'd heard that there was no, no work anywhere in the area and no one had even attempted it because of that one guy that had died. And God kept impressing me, Go. And everyone I talked to said, you can't go, it's impossible, you'll never make it. So we packed up on the, air, the jungle work that we had, turned it over to a man, flew back to the main island, and with my six-month-old son, my Jonathan, who's 23 now, that was born over there, and we started, I started in on that work, and, and they said, you'll never make it, you'll never get it off the ground, you'll never be able to do anything, and while we were building the house in that area and trying to get a work started, there was another group of people in another bad area, and they said, missionary, would you help us? We need to get a work going. I said, sure. Missionary said, don't go. You can't go there. They'll kill you. I said, God said, go. I'm talking about the God that does the impossible. We went there. First Sunday I preached. We had a few people saved. Had about 30-something people that morning and that evening. And Brother Harris, the next day, I got a message from the what they call a rascal. He was the head, what we would call mafia gang members. The tribes were very organized in their criminal work and they were called rascals over there. And, and this was the head guy for the whole of Papua New Guinea. He was the man and, and he was in control of everything, but he was from that area that we were trying to help that group of people. And he sent word to me the next day, do not go back. Do not preach Jesus. We don't want your God. We don't want your Jesus. We don't want no white man in that area. If you go back, 
sick and he told me what he'd do to my wife, unspeakable things that I won't tell you. He told me what he'd do to my little boy, cut his head off and hang him on a pole and all kinds of things that I won't get into you. And so you say, preacher, you must be brave. I'm not brave, but I do believe that my God is still able to do great things. Me and my wife prayed and I looked at her. I said, sweetheart, this just ain't my decision. You gotta be willing. She said, Brian, God called us and if God's saying go, then I'm with you. And God said, go back and preach. The next Sunday, we went back. I preached. We had some people saved. God moved and God worked and we didn't die. We got back home the next day, Monday. We got a message from that guy. He had to be out of town that weekend. He said, you will, you got mercy. He said, this is your last warning. I will be here this weekend. I'm warning you, you show up. You won't leave the property alive. I'm going to kill you. You're going to die. I got on my face. You say, preacher, were you brave? I scared to death. You say, well, where'd your faith come from? Can I just stop and say faith is not 100% belief. Faith is just 1% more belief in God than the amount of doubt that you have. Amen. I had all kinds of doubts. I had all kinds of fear. I had all kinds of worry. But I said, God, this is what you said do. I looked at my wife. She said, I'm, I'm with you. Let's do what God said do. And so we prayed. God said, go back. I called a missionary. He said, Brian, he ain't playing. The national preacher that we was training for that work said, brother, a missionary, he ain't playing. This guy don't make threats. Don't go back. You'll die. I said, I got to do what God said do. Sunday or that week, one of his underlings, a, a regional supervisor of the rascals, tried to hold up a man, he didn't know he's an undercover police officer, and that police officer shot and killed him right on our property, right on the edge of our property. No one would preach that funeral. And so they told me about it. The family was very poor. They lived in a little old shack behind our church on a mountain, dirt floor, and just little old, probably about just this area right here, the piano, and this area right here, and little old tin on, and uh, holes through the little old cardboard and stuff that they put on the sides. It's 130 degree weather. And actually, I don't think it was tin. I think it was thatch roof and a little bit of tin that they'd found on the back of it. And Tope and Pasava were their name. And that young man that had died was about 19 or 20, very young, and had a young wife and a little baby. And, and so uh, they were... Uh, they said no one would preach. They'd gone to the Catholic priest and the Catholic church. They said, we don't want you. All the rascals and all the bad element is going to be here and put, a, put us in danger. And no, you can't come here and you ain't got enough money. The Lutheran said, well, we, we don't want that on our property and we're scared. And even if we let you, you don't have enough money. And so I walked up that hill. I said, let's go talk to him. And I talked to the old man and woman, Tope and Pasava, this boy's parents. And they wept and they said, missionary, no one will help us. And we have nowhere to do the funeral. I said, you can do it on our property. They said, you don't understand. He was a criminal. He was a rascal. The guy that's been threatening you. They knew about it. Everyone knew about it. He'll kill you. If, if you show up to preach that funeral, he'll kill you. I said, I'm going to do what God wants me to do. Do you want me to preach it? They said, yes. I said, you know, I can't put him in heaven. He had no testimony of Jesus, but I'll preach the gospel. I'll try to rescue who I can. They said, if you'll be willing to help us, that would be great. There's no embalming over there. There's no caskets over there. It's just a pine box and baby powder and wrap them like they did in the old days with just sheets and pieces of cloth. And so they have to do the funeral fast. And that Saturday morning, 
how we got to the church. I prayed with my wife. I said, honey, why don't you stay home today? She said, I go where you go. Thank God for a good wife. She said, we either live together or we die together, but we came here together. We're leaving together one way or the other. We got to the church. I waited till about time. We had a fenced-in property, just a metal roof and dirt floor and tree poles for to hold the roof up and homemade seats and and we they, it would hold about five hundred and it was packed and there was probably five hundred or so on the outside and over five hundred of them was all the rascals and the criminals. The worst of the worst of Papua New Guinea in our area was there that day. They had their guns, their knives, their spears. And when I drove through the gate. I could tell I was enemy number one. We drove right up by the church. I told my preacher boys, I'm going to preach, and the minute I'm done, you get my wife and my little boy in the vehicle, and the first sign of trouble, you run through a gate, whatever you got to do, get her out of here, go straight to the airport, and you know what to do. I walked to the pulpit. I turned to Hebrews 9, 27, and I preached on it. It's appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. And I preached for over an hour. If you didn't preach an hour, they didn't think he's preaching over there. And I preached an hour and preached on everything I knew. And I called them murderers and I told them all the wicked things that they'd done. But I said, that's not what's going to put you in hell. What's going to put you in hell is you've never trusted Jesus Christ. You've never, you've never been in a relationship with him. And I gave the gospel, the invitation come. And here come that old mom and teddy, Tope and Pasava, and knelt down and got saved. That man's wife, young wife, and her little baby come forward and got saved. A few of the rascals come forward and got saved. Brother Harris tears running down my face and said thank God if nothing else happens it was worth preaching and knowing they're not going to hell I'm talking about the God that'll do the impossible I'm not telling you something that happened 40, 50 years ago. I'm telling you, I could tell you stories what God's done in the last year. Whether you'd believe him or not, it's another thing. I'm just telling you, we've about, we've about forgot that our God wants to show us how great he is. We got to the cemetery right on the, on the village, just a little old hillside. Hole was already dug, and I told my preacher boys, the minute I'm done with the graveside, that's when they're going to move on me. You get my wife and baby, don't wait. You get them out of here immediately, and just get out of here. I'll, I'll find a way back to the house. I did the graveside. No sooner I got done, and I looked, and here he come, brother. And he walked up to me, and he said, do you know who I am? I said, yes, sir, I know who you are. He said, and I forget his name now, but he said, I'm the... And I said, yes, sir, you're the head of the, uh, the whole shebang, the whole outfit. I understand. He said, I'm the guy that told you if you come here again and preach Jesus Christ and tried to preach in this church, I'd kill you. And I told you what I'd do to your wife and your baby. I said, yes, sir. And he told me all that. He said, I want to know why you're here. Are you not scared? I said, I'm terrified. He said, are you not afraid of me? I said, oh, I'm very afraid of you. He said, then why did you come? I said, because God told me to. And I'm more afraid of disobeying God than I am of what you can do to me. And he said, he reiterated again, he said, I told you. I said, yes, sir. And he said, you did it anyway. I said, yes, sir. And he said, I told you if you come back tomorrow. I said, yes, sir. And he said, you're coming anyway, aren't you? I said, yes, sir. I said, God told me to. I ain't got a choice. He said, well, I want to know why you preach this funeral. The Catholics wouldn't do it. The Lutherans wouldn't do it. Why did you do it? I said, because God told me to. He said, you helped a rascal, a criminal, 
knowing that it could cost you your life. I said, yes, sir, because I wanted to make a difference in someone's life, and God told me to. And that, I'm talking about hardened criminal of criminals, started weeping in front of me. And he said, missionary, I'm not ready to get saved. He said, but I ain't never met anyone like you. And he said, I'm going to make you a promise. Ain't no one messing with you from now on. He said, you can come in the village and preach. You can start your church. You start anything you want. You go anywhere you want. I'm the guy. No one conducts any kind of criminal activity without my approval. You're safe. You're protected by me. And I'm telling you a place that they said a church couldn't be started. A place where there couldn't be the gospel. Can I tell you 20-something years later, the man that I trained by the name of Talabari is still the pastor of that church. That church when I left was running about 400. They run about 1,000 now. They've started churches all over Papua New Guinea. They've done a great work for God. Why? Because I'm someone special know because the God of Isaac still works, still does the impossible, still wants to do something in our life. I can tell you story after story tonight but I want to tell this younger generation and those of us that are older and for God we serve a God that is still in the business of doing the fantastic if we'll let him. What is it that you've given up on? What is it that you've cast aside? What is it that you've said God can't do? And he wants to remind you on Memorial Day weekend I am the God of Abraham but I'm the God of Isaac I want you to notice lastly and I'm done he's the God of Abraham he directs the invisible he's the God of Isaac he does the impossible but then he said I'm the God of Jacob I'm going to be honest with you when I got to this one I said okay God you give me a pretty good message but Jacob just messes the whole thing up Abraham I get He's he's a good guy. Isaac, I get. But you want everybody to know you're the God of Jacob? I mean, he's a deceiver. He's he's worthless. He, he, He did way more wrong than he ever did right. Even in his old age, he still struggled. I said, God, why do you want me to know you're the God of a worthless, no good, rotten individual? And about that time, God said, because I want you to know that I am a God of the rotten, worthless individual. See, he's the God of Abraham. He directs the invisible, and that deals with our faith. He's the God of Isaac. He does the impossible, and that deals with the fantastic. But thank God, he's the God of Jacob. He deals with the imperfect, and that means he knows our faults. May I say to you, I about had a shouting fit in my study when God showed me that. See, the truth of the matter is, I'm more like Jacob than I am Abraham. I'm more like Jacob than I am Isaac. I've failed God way more than I've done right. I've flip-flopped. I've messed up. I've fooled around many times in my Christian life. And God said, I want to tell you something, Brian. I am the same God to Jacob that I am to every Abraham and that I am to every Isaac. I'm the God of every failure. I'm the God of the faulty. I'm the God of the guy that keeps messing up. Hey, you may be sitting out there tonight saying, I can't do anything great for God. I've 
fall on my face. I've messed up. I've made mistakes. Can I tell you, he wants to remind us on Memorial Day weekend, he's the God of every Jacob in here. I can relate to Jacob. And God said, he's still my God. And he still wants to use me. And he still wants to bless me. And he still wants to help me. We use excuses like, I'm not worthy. I'm not deserving. How could I ever be a preacher? How could I ever play piano in a church? How could I ever sing in a, in a choir? How could I ever teach a Sunday school class? Preacher, you don't know how many mistakes I've made. I'm telling you, I may not know, but the God of glory knows. And he says to us, I'm the God of Jacob. I know your faults. I know your failures. And I've still saved you. And I still want to use you. He's still my God. I talked to a young person just recently and with tears running down their face, they said, God don't want me. Look what I've done here and look what I've done there. And I was glad to report to them, yeah, you've done every bit of that, but he's still your God and he still wants to use you and he still wants to bless you. I'm not excusing sin. Please don't get me wrong. And we got to confess sin, but I promise you everyone in here, truth be told, we've acted way more like Jacob in our Christian life than we have Abraham or Isaac and you may have sat through the message and say I could never be an Abraham I could never be an Isaac but no every one of us can relate to Jacob and God said I'm no less your God tonight than I am any of them others so all the excuses go out the window if he's the God of Jacob that means he can use me just as much as he did Abraham just as much as he did Isaac. I want to ask you tonight, what are you doing for God? What excuses have you threw out him? Well, preacher, I've made mistakes. Okay, fix them. I fail. I like football. I'm going to tell on Brother Nate, he didn't like that song. What was it? Um, glory, Glory, because he said that's a Georgia Bulldogs theme song. I didn't know that. He was struggling over there, choking on it, trying to sing. I like football. What kind of team would you have if every time the fullback, every time the halfback or fullback fumbled the ball, they just sat down and cried and said, I'm, I'm finished. I, I'm no good. You know what the coach tells them? Get back up, get the ball back, and don't fumble again. If every time the quarterback threw an interception or threw a bad pass and he just sat down and said, I quit, I can't do it. You know what kind of team we'd have? kind of team that I like sorry I'm a Tennessee Volunteers fan that's why I said sorry we're horrible right now been horrible for years but you know what you know what them players do they may throw an interception they may throw but you know what a good player does he says okay messed up I'll try to fix that and they want the ball the next time and they're going to try again no, we need tonight, we need some Christians to say, okay, I fumbled. I threw an interception. I've messed up. I missed a tackle. I've, I blew it. I fell down. Whatever. Get back up. A righteous man follows seven times, but he gets up again. God said tonight, and I'm done. I'm the God of Jacob, and I want to use you. And so many of us are afraid to let God use us because we think he doesn't know about our failures or somehow our failures impede us from doing something for God. Can I tell you, God says to us tonight, I'm the God of Jacob. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I want to ask you.